I'm, I'm a little better at clock management than Ryan, so I think we'll be okay. So, uh, um, I gotta say too, just, just to back her up on that, that was a long announcement. These are changing the way do, we do groups for a reason. Uh, this, this series of, of Oikos is, is one that um, uh, our elders have, have done a lot of um, research and prep and have traveled to, to meet with some of the people who have, have headed up this, this kind of new way of thinking about church. And then our staff over the past uh, four or six weeks have been doing a study around this as well. And the only thing I can say is that it is changing the way that we think about church. Um, changing the way we think about the, the mission and the goals of the church and, and then the, the program and our, the way we, we spend our time and energy putting on church. It's, it's changing that. Uh, it's challenging us in that. Um, and uh, very excited about that. So, so, so that is why there's so much changing around it. So definitely consider being part of that. Um, how's everyone doing? Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. See, we got a... Yeah, one, 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 Chiefs, one Chiefs fan here. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm more living in the past of last year. I don't know about anyone else, right? Yeah, yeah. Just, we'll talk about last year's season. We don't need to talk about this year's season. Ended well last year. Uh, this year, I'm just going to a, a Super Bowl party that is, is um, overtly Eagles. And so I think that put me as a Chiefs fan this week, you know. Um, I was trying to find like a, a Mahomes wig um, to put on, on my daughter for the entire time. And, a little too expensive, but um, hey, we just sang this song, and I and to be honest, um, Jess put so much time and energy into crafting the songs we sing, uh, the worship that we sing as a church um, around the message, so it is one cohesive message. And I don't think Jess knows how much she nailed the head of that nail uh, with with oh yeah. I actually wasn't even going for a compliment for Jess, but that, 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 that's great. Um, you won't be clapping in a second, I guess, because what I was going to say is, is um, I'm going to hold you all accountable to the words you just sang. Today's message is, is definitely a call to discipleship. It is a call for believers to respond to their belief. And then I heard you all singing I want more. So I'm going to go ahead and preach this message confidently because I know that I can hold you accountable to what you just sang, that you actually want more. You didn't just want to accept Jesus once and then say, cool, I'm just riding this one out. So let me pray and we'll jump into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the fact that you've created us for relationship with you. Lord, that you are not just seeking to gain likes, to gain signatures. Lord, you are, are seeking to gain disciples, students of your way. And Lord, I pray that our actions, our responses reflect our decision to follow you and our desire to know you more. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So there was a single battle in global history that we still live in the wake of. I guess there's many that fall into that category, but there's one specifically that believers around the world still live in the wake of. 
This battle happened 1,700 years ago. It happened uh, just on the north side of the city of Rome. You see, what happened is in 305 AD, Emperor Diocletian, he steps down as emperor of Rome, and he steps down with no succession plan in place. Great thing to do of like the, the largest empire on the earth at that time. And it creates a power grab. It creates this, this, this power vacuum that, that anyone with means, the elite, the aristocracy, the, the military generals are all, uh, are all running for. In the next year, Maxentius actually wins local support and seizes the throne for himself and becomes the emperor. But some people aren't satisfied with that. And another general by the name of Constantine is still raising an army to go and try and claim the throne for himself. And it's in 312 that he is, he is descended from the north onto Rome with an army of 25,000 soldiers, and, and there were about 25,000 uh, Roman guards in the city as well, so this battle was a total of 50,000 soldiers. And they meet at the northern edge of the city called the Bridge of Molivian. This bridge is actually still here today. You can show a picture of that. It's just on the north side of the city. And they meet at this bridge. And the night before this battle, Constantine has a dream. In this dream, he's actually fighting this battle. And he looks up and sees a banner across the sky. There's a, an artwork that, that depicts this. It doesn't really depict the banner, though. Um, if you can throw that up there next on. Constantine looks up and sees this banner in the sky, and the banner says, In this sign, thou shalt conquer. In this sign, thou shalt conquer. And this, this, a lot of artwork shows it actually is a cross, but it wasn't. It was actually what's called a Cairo, the first two Greek letters of the name of Christ. You can put that up there too. It's a very early Christian symbol. Chi, uh, C H I, is the X, and Rho. R-H-O is, is the P-looking thing. So it's just the first two letters of the name of Christ. And actually, it's on some of these stained glass windows in the back, actually. You'll see, you'll see the Cairo. Now, the interesting thing about this is Constantine wasn't a Christian. His mom was a believer, but it's documented that Constantine doesn't even accept Christ until his deathbed. Yet, he gets this vision. In this symbol, you shall conquer the symbol of the Cairo. He calls all the commanders to him in the middle of the night. I've never fought in a battle, hope never to, but I imagine a good night's sleep is, 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 is good for, for fighting in a battle. And he tells the commanders, wake up every soldier, all 25,000 of them, and tell them to paint the Cairo on their shields. So they all are woken up, they take white paint, and they, they paint the Cairo on the front of their shields. The next day, they go into battle, they conquer. Maxentius falls into the, the river. Constantine fishes him out and takes his head off, ships the head around the entire Roman Empire, and everyone says, yeah, the job's yours, we get it, that's fine, you can keep it. And he ends up going, he seizes the throne, and he becomes the Roman Emperor. And shortly after, he ends up making the entire uh, Roman official religion Christianity. Sometime after that, the uh, pagan worship of the Roman gods, the Greek gods, is actually outlawed. And the entire empire is told that they are Christian to every extent of it. 
Millions and millions of people. Now there's two ways to look at this story. The first one is beautiful. Because the first one I, I hear in the story is that Jesus is crucified by the Romans and spends his entire life in Judea that is occupied by Roman oppression. And 250 years later, Jesus just staged a coup and somehow took over the entire Roman Empire. And it is no longer being persecuted, but is being, uh, uh, you know, proselytized everywhere. And that's beautiful. And I believe that that is why God uh, willed this to happen. It's because the church just exploded. Yet something is lost in that moment. You see, when it was illegal, when it was dangerous to be a Christian, I think there were far less casual Christians. I think if you chose to be a part of this dangerous movement, you wouldn't just like casually walk around with your Cairo shirt and, uh, and not really change anything else about your life. I think if you made that decision to see Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as God incarnate on this earth, bringing you this salvation, it would begin to change everything you did. Because the costs were so high. The risks were so high. And yet suddenly, an entire army of, I would have to imagine, mostly non-believers, are told, you are now Christian. Paint this on your shield. Go kill some people. Let's seize Rome, you know, sack Rome, and we'll do it under this symbol. And then suddenly it becomes popular, it becomes encouraged to become Christian. At some point it becomes illegal to not be Christian. We live in the wake of this world, not as intense in American culture, but the majority of our country is Christian. Most of you, I would assume, were raised in a Christian household. And so without that, that, that hard ask, that challenge at the beginning of it, was it the discipleship that followed? Because I believe you when we all sang, I want more. But do we then take the steps to, to find more of God? To enter into deeper relationship with Him? We now live in a world where it is possible to be a believer, but not a disciple. Disciple just means student. Just means a student of, of the way of Jesus. That's it. It's not complicated. Just means that you are actively trying to become more like Christ yourself. And we live in a world where you can be a believer, but not a disciple. It's now possible to accept Christ, to associate with Him, yet have no active response. Ryan and I have had these conversations for the past couple of months on, on how do we inspire and how do we instill a sense of ownership. That the church is here as a resource to you, but your walk with Christ is yours. Is yours alone to pursue, to develop, to deepen, to, to know the health of. It is your call to be a student of the way of Christ and to come to know him more. And this series, we can put this up, the, the four spiritual disciplines, there's actually many, but we are doing four of them. The whole point of it was, was, was trying to give you all some tools, some practices, some ways that we can take greater ownership of our own faith. That we can take steps, as I said, to growing closer to Christ. 
to, to, to imic- uh, mimicking the heart of Christ more in our relationships and our view of him. And today we are going to look at the discipline of study. Now when I say study, I mean reading scripture, but, but with an intent, a deeper intent, to study it. And I think when I say study, most of us have an image like this. You can put up this first picture. The old scholar, right? The almost wizard-like you know, person who's just buried in books his entire life. Or perhaps when you hear the word study, you get nightmares and flashbacks to the days of college. You can put up this one. Uh, of you remembering this, right? Uh, of, uh, you know, papers are, are really written the night before. That's, that's the only way I learned how to do it. And when the library shuts down, you end up at Denny's at like 3 in the morning, ordering pancakes and trying to write this paper, you know? Yeah. You know, the nice thing about waiting until the last minute, though, is it can only take a minute. So, that's all you got. Yeah. <laughs> but I think when we talk about the word study, you imagine one of these two. That you imagine uh, a scholar, or you imagine when you've paid all this money and you know you're going to get a GPA at the end and there's this pressure to get this knowledge, to learn it. But I want to offer a different uh, definition, a different image of the word study. If you can put this next picture up. Curious George. Okay, so yeah, two young kids. We read a lot of stories. Curious George is one of them. Um, And uh, anyways, um, if you read the story, you, you find a character who is curious, who will hear a noise out the window and will say, I wonder what that is. But then guess what he does? He goes out the window. He, he just blindly follows his curiosity and he'll go on these grand adventures because he's curious and then he pursues, he follows through with it. And, and, and those are almost kind of the, the, the two pieces we have to have, that curiosity but then the appetite to jump out that window and find out what it is to jump out that window and to explore and to learn more. You know, I was trying to think of, of good biblical examples of this curious George attitude, and I think the best one I can think of is Nicodemus. This famous story is found in John chapter 3. And if you know the story, Nicodemus is a, is a religious leader in the area, and it's the day after the whole flipping of the tables and Jesus preaching in the temple. And, and if you know the story, what, what time of the day does he show up? He shows up at night. And I've heard that in sermons in kind of a disgraceful way of saying, you know, oh, he wasn't bold enough to walk and knock on Jesus' door in the middle of the day. But, but to me, I love this. Because this is a religious leader who has the most to lose being associated with a guy who just renovated the temple by himself. Has the most to lose. And yet he shows up. He's the only one who does. He's risking the most And yet the words that Jesus preached are echoing in his head, and he just says, I've got to know more. And so he shows up and says, you said these things. What does it mean to be born again? Those are some of the Christianese statements that most of us say, yeah, yeah, sure, born again. And Nicodemus says, no, 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 I don't understand that. What what does that mean? What does it mean to be born of the Spirit? He has this curiosity, but then he has this this appetite, this, this, this desire to follow through and to seek. I think that's what these, these two ingredients of study are. They are an appetite and inquiry. The two ingredients of study are appetite or desire and inquiry or questioning. And I put that down there that 
Inquiry without appetite is useless. And this happened a million times, right? You hear a Bible verse or something in a sermon, and you get a thought and you say, I wonder, I wonder about that. Ah, never mind. I don't wonder that much, right? <laughs> I wonder about that. Do, do you Google it even? Talk to a pastor? Try and search this out? Or you say, oh, I just, I just wonder. That's just interesting. But do we then have the appetite to go and seek answers? An appetite without inquiry is directionless, right? If you say, I have a desire to know God more, but where do you start? It's a big book. And so I would always encourage people to, to, to begin with their, with their appetites, with, with, their, with their questions, with their desires. God made you unique. And there are pieces of, of God, there's pieces, pieces of his word that, that are more attractive to you and lean into those. What are the questions that naturally come up? Now, the funny thing about this whole sermon is I'm trying to convince believers to take active steps into studying their Bibles, acknowledging the fact that we all already do this with a million other topics, right? We are all students of a million things. Um, I has not bit me yet, but there is like a craft baking uh, craze that is like sweeping our, our young adults in, in our country, right? Um, let me give it as an example. I had in one single week, a couple weeks ago, one seven-day period, I had two separate individuals on separate days show up with, um, a, a, I don't even know what to call it, a lump of, of raw dough um, and set it on the counter. And both times I say, great, we're getting some sourdough bread. You know, that, that, that's, that's nice, that'll add to dinner. And with both times I said, no, no, uh, this isn't for us. I just have to like need it in a couple hours, and so I need to bring this with me. Two separate occasions that people have come and babysat bread at our house and then taken this, this fetal bread home and not, not shared it with us. Um, we are students. I will say that one hasn't, hasn't bit me. I like bread, but the, 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 you know, babysitting it for a while, do enough babysitting. I'll tell you mine, though. Yeah, my wife always says it's not babysitting with your kids, but. Uh, fantasy football, okay? Instantly, some people in the room get it, some do not. But uh, I went from, like, a casual football fan to I listen during the season, it's done now, to so many podcasts and read so many articles and am analyzing as much as I can, still just to get second place to Mark Morse. Um, but, right, if, you, if you've ever done fantasy football, you become a student of it. You're curious, which player should I put in? It doesn't end there though, you look into it. You will find websites where all the experts, which are just other football nerds, are just all saying this one over this one because it's this temperature and this player performs better in these temperatures and all this crazy stuff like that. This new passion I've gotten into that I have just become a total student of um, is electrical. Uh, so we renovated a house from May till like October, like five and a half months or so. And uh, mostly because of cost, we ended up doing uh, a lot of the work ourselves. Me and my dad and my father-in-law. And we did a lot of the work ourselves and we had to learn, oh, I had to learn a lot of stuff along the way. Um, and I, I learned some framing. I learned plumbing. Sorry, dad, not a fan of plumbing. Um, but uh, electrical, I, it just kind of clicked. I enjoyed it. Now here's the interesting thing. The house is done. I am still watching electrical YouTube videos. I am still watching people of how to, how to do this, this little thing here or there. 
Uh, I, and, and you know what? I just, I just dove into it. Now, are there electrician schools? Yes. But I don't have the time or the money for that. In addition, I'm not doing this professionally and I'm not looking to teach others how to do it. So I'm going the cheaper routes, the more time uh, efficient routes, YouTube, and uh, reading stuff online. And then what I'll do is I have some people in my life, uh, ones back there, who are electricians. And I'll talk their ear off, right? We had an electrician who helped um, install the new electrical service here. And I'll give them a call, you know, almost once a week. Darren, I'm trying to do this, this one thing. And, you know, am, am I thinking about this correctly? And I'll say, no, 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 you've got to think about it this way. Oh, okay, okay, great, great, great. And I've learned a lot. I have been electrocuted a decent amount of times. <laughs> All like low amperage, not, not very dangerous, but uh, on our house, I, I mean, I can't say how many, do, over a dozen times we'd be working and all of a sudden all the lights would go out and it was because I, you know, I, the, the lights went to me. Um, there was one time actually that I, 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 I closed the circuit, right Nathan? And uh, I, was, I got electrocuted for long enough that all the lights in the house came back on with me holding the two ends where I was essentially <laughs> powering the house. Um, just the lights, but Learn, learned a lot. Learned a lot. And through that process, yes, I fixed problems. Yes, I saved a lot of money. Yes, I learned a lot. But the most valuable thing I gained was confidence in the material. You see, before that, I would call Nathan, electrician here, and I'd call him and I'd say, hey, we're at church and, and this, this outlet doesn't work. You know, that's not a fork, that's a plug. This outlet doesn't work, right? Or uh, this lights, you know, just, you know he, he came and fixed our exit signs because they weren't working and I passed our fire inspections with a flashlight behind there and anyways, um, they're, all, they're working now. Um, but I, <laughs> they gave me the call, they're on their way. I was like, wait one second, and I put flashlights behind all of them. Um, but, but every, every little thing we needed here at the church, I was calling Nathan, Nathan, hey, can I get you to come do this, can I do this, whatever, you know? Because... Like many of us, I'm assuming, I, I don't, I'm not confident enough to touch electrical, right? And so I wouldn't. But now through this, I've learned a little, I saved a little money, but the biggest value that I have from, from that renovating our house process is the confidence to say, I know I can work with these materials. I'm still gonna be calling Darren twice a week with questions. I'm still gonna be watching YouTube videos, whatever. Uh, I'll be looking up, you know, stuff, um, but, I am willing to work with the materials now. It is the same with scripture and with theology. That when we engage in study, I hope you find reward at the end of that time of study. I do. I hope that you find a revelation of God's character and God's will for your life through that time of study, through that time of scripture and prayer. But for me, looking at that situation, the greatest thing you are gaining is comfortability working in the material. That you come to see your Bible as a means of, of life that you can tap into. But something stops uh, us from thinking that we can ask those questions or that we can even go into that when it comes into uh, scripture and theology. Like I said, you got into baking, you're watching YouTube videos, you're getting your hands doughy, 
you know, uh, whatever, me electrical and, and doing all that, whatever your hobby is, you dove in, and that's fun. And yet, when it comes to our faith, it's, well, I guess I'll show up on Sunday and see what they got for me, you know? And if it hits me, great. If not, they should have tried harder, you know, because I was there the whole time, mostly awake, because it should have, you know. Uh, we, we feel this inability to, to work with material and to learn and to grow. It says in Mark 12, it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. That would be verbally underlining mind. We are called as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to pursue him with our minds. To engage with his holy word in a way that we are eagerly seeking more understanding of him. So why is this the case? Why are so many believers so hesitant to attempt to study scripture on their own? What are the challenges that we face towards study? I have four, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go through them real quick. I usually never do a sermon that are on like the negatives, what are the, the roadblocks, what are the challenges, but this is the way it kind of made sense. Now, most likely you will not have all four of these, um, and you might have none of them, but you might hear one of these that you resonate with, and you say, yep, that's why I don't read my Bible, is that one right there. But be aware that, that, that we all might have different, different pieces of this that we struggle with. The first one, and it's the only kind of uh, weird or complicated word today, is fideism. Fideism. I've been butchering this in the adult ed class for the past couple of weeks downstairs. And, and, and fideism, 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 is this idea uh, uh, that, that you, you may, may not know that you already had, but some people in certain Christian traditions had this. And it's that faith is about not asking questions, but simply submitting blindly. In certain traditions, you may have felt this, or maybe even overtly been told this, it, it is... The faithful, the disciple, the believer doesn't ask questions, but just believes. Just believe. We'll give you a little, a little dose each week at church, but just, just promise to do what we say. Just believe. Don't ask questions. This is the idea of, of fideism. And, and really what it is, it's just complacency of the mind. And we can, we can think that it is uh, uh, having faith, but it's not. Um, you know, uh, and often people who have that view will say, well, we're encouraged to have the faith like a what? Like a child. And I think that's a misinterpretation of that. You know, my, my daughter, my three-year-old Zoe, has the, the faith of a child. Um, and, and the way I would describe it is that uh, she is bold. She's bold. Um, we will be at a, a, a restaurant with a bunch of other people, eating with people who we know are not believers, and she'll say, we have to pray. And I'll say, yeah, okay, let's pray, let's do it. You know? and her prayer is, it's singing a song at the top of her lungs in the restaurant. <laughs> I think she learned it at preschool, but it's, it's this prayer song, you know. She is bold in her faith. She is committed, and that's great. I aspire to have the boldness that she does. But the mind of a child is also ignorant and uninformed, right? When we're told to have the faith of a child, it's that boldness. It's not the understanding of a child, uh, there's a passage um, I'm going to read, and I, I don't know how, 
I can read this without it being somewhat offensive to a lot of us, but we're just going to read it. And, and this author is just not pulling punches, okay? It's in the book of Hebrews, which I promise we're going to save some for our Hebrews series that's starting very soon, but we just keep finding gold in there. Um, it's in, in chapter 5, starting in verse 11. The author says, as he's writing to a church, About this we have much to say that is hard to explain, since you have become dull in understanding. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of God. Although by now we should be able to talk about the, the, these, these, these deep, these... Uh, these powerful doctrines and, and, and the ways that, that uh, the incarnation of Christ is affecting everything, whatever. We have to keep coming back to the basics because he's saying, you know, you have not grown yet. You need milk, not spiritual food, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. Um, uh, I, I hope, if there's any conviction in this, I hope that you feel it in yourself. Uh, I feel convicted in myself in times where I am not in study when I'm reading this of, of where could I be by now if I had been a more diligent disciple? Therefore, let us go on towards perfection, leaving behind the basic teachings about Christ and not laying again the foundation, right? Let, let us let's aspire for more, not ever coming in every Sunday and, and laying the same foundation, not coming every Sunday and needing to still preach John 3.16 because it hasn't sunk in yet, right? Let, let, let us uh, um, desire more. He describes his foundation, repentance from dead works and faith toward God, right? Repentance from, from, from sin, and faith towards God, instruction about baptism and laying on hands, and uh, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits, for it is impossible to restore again to repentance those who have been enlightened. He said, you've already been enlightened. And yet when I come visit you, I have to give you the gospel message again and, and remind you that you are now resurrected in Christ um, because you haven't grown from that point and have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, since on their own they are crucifying again the Son of God and are holding him up to contempt. They have received this revelation, and yet don't act on it, don't grow in it. And so once again, they come back to needing to re-experience again. He gives us image. Ground that drinks up rain, falling on it repeatedly, and, the, and that produces a crop useful to those whom it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and on the verge of being cursed, its end is to be burned over. Now he says burned over. I, I don't think this is a reference to hell or anything like that. Uh, it's in that word right there uh, after he says the word crop, that a, that, uh, and that produces a crop useful. He's saying... By now, you should be crops that are useful to others, edifying as ambassadors of the kingdom of God that we are, we are taking this truth and we are planting it in our lives and the, the fruit of the Spirit that is coming out of our lives is, is attractional and is nourishing to others around us. Uh, but if you don't, you're just some thirsty dirt. 
You're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just consuming and not producing any of this discipleship, any of this holiness in your life. We are not called to, to blindly believe and, and not ask questions. We are called to grow, to study, to take the truths that you receive here and say, I want more. I don't understand this part, so I'm going to search out that part. I'm going to grow in my understanding that I might produce greater fruit, which is fulfilling to me, but also nourishes everyone around me. You know, uh, talking about this idea of questioning or not being allowed to question, Job uh, questions God throughout the entire book of Job while his friends just tell him to accept his fate. And yet in the end, God says that he is the faithful one for asking those questions. We are called to engage with God intellectually. Number two, roadblock or challenge for study is just being uninspired. Um, this is probably the most common one I've been at multiple places in my life. Just, just uninspired to begin. Uh, uninspired to get started. And, and you know what? So I'm going to answer this um, pretty clearly. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon gives this quote. says, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. Uh, and my challenge for how to go about this, if you are feeling uninspired, is to come at this uh, with, with selfish desire. And let me explain that. Um, let me give an example of that. Uh, Chuck, if I can call you out, I didn't warn you I was going to do this. Um, Chuck is someone who uh, is now the strongest person in our church, if you didn't know that. Um, <laughs> The transformation that you've had physically over the past couple years is incredible. Um, and yet, uh, what? Mm, I'm not going to answer this for you. Uh, I'm going to talk about myself now instead. Um, the reason that we are inspired to start working out or go to the gym, I've heard, I've been told, uh, is, <laughs> is to, uh, to be healthier or to lose weight or to feel better, to fit in those old jeans you love, right? To be more attractional, uh, to whatever, all these reasons. That's the reason you start working out. And yet, do you enjoy working out? Yes. Once again, I've heard of this. It's, <laughs> it's fascinating to me. But, I, you know, whatever. I've heard that, you know, that, that as, you're, as you're getting into working out, you start for these very selfish reasons, good reasons, um, and yet you develop a passion for it. I believe it's the same with scripture. I believe it's the same with theology. I start reading scripture. Uh, I start and I'm re-inspired to study because I want to be a better man. I want to be a better husband, a better father. Um, you know, uh, my wife is a, a marriage family therapist and we, we've uh, always, you know, believed and encouraged in, in uh, the health that can come from counseling. And yet my wife and I both started counseling when we were uh, having kids because we both had this idea, she was her credit, she started this idea, um, is that I want to figure my stuff out and be as healthy as I can so that I can parent them out of that health. It's very similar with scripture and theology. If you are uninspired to get into it, do it because you desire to be a greater man or woman of God. That you desire to be uh, more Christ-like to those that you love. I want to be someone my children look up to and respect. And I know when I have not studied the word or spent time in prayer, I am impatient and I lack compassion. And those around me can tell the days that I have not read my Bible. Because um, I lack patience and compassion. 
Uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Uh, to some, you might read that as a command, uh, but to people who are wanting to become more Christ-like, that is, is treasure. It's saying, yeah, that is what I want. I do want to become uh, more, more equipped for good work. I do want to be made complete in the image of God. I want that work for me. Matthew 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there any among you, among you who if your child asks for bread, you would give a stone? Or if the child asks for fish, you would give a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask of him? The sanctification of the Holy Spirit, becoming more Christ-like, is exactly what God wants to give you. I can think of no other prayer that I can guarantee you God wants than you praying for the character of Christ within your own life. I'm telling you, that's what God wants for you. If it's right before bed and my daughter asks for candy, um, I, I know what's good for her and I'll, I'll say no. Or maybe just one piece if mom's not looking. But... It, <laughs> Because I know her and I love her, I want what's best for her. I guarantee you, this is what God wants for your life. So ask, seek, knock, pursue in your life greater understanding. Um, there is an organization called Back to the Bible, and they polled over 400,000 people from all ages, over 24 uh, countries, over 75 denominations, and they looked at those who regularly engaged with Scripture. And they found a massive turning point around four days a week that around four days a week, there was massive character changes. And these were their, their, their findings that they published. Of those who engaged with Scripture, which means read, listened to, studied, one of those, engaged with Scripture four times a week, they found they, found they are 407% more likely to memorize Scripture. They are 228 times uh, or percent more likely to share their faith with others, 59% less likely to view pornography, 30% uh, less likely to struggle with loneliness, and have markedly lower sexual sin, gambling, drunkenness, etc. Um, there is an effect that the living Word of God has in our lives. So if you're feeling uninspired, start like I do, selfishly, of say, I want health in my life. So I'm going to anchor myself to God's word. The third one is unsuccessful or unrewarding in the past. Um, maybe you've tried and it wasn't very uh, fruitful. Uh, and what I would say the answer to that is a bit of direction and coaching. Because if you tried and you opened up into the middle of you know, Leviticus and you're reading of the sacrificial laws and how many cubits by how many cubits this tent needs to be, you're saying like, ah, I'm not getting anything out of this, you know? Actually, the second half of Exodus, I think, is the most, the most boring piece of the Bible. So if you started there and you're reading that and you're saying like, I don't know if I really want to do this tomorrow. Or maybe you start with one of the most difficult books of the Bible and you're reading all this like Hebrew imagery that you weren't, you know, raised in and so you just just going over your head. Uh, the, one of the main reasons we're teaching Hebrews uh, after Easter this year is because it is a very difficult book, and so we want to do that together as a group. But same thing, maybe not very rewarding. Um, you know, if, if the very first time you go to the gym, someone throws you on the treadmill for, for 10 miles, then makes you do deadlifts or whatever, you're, you're probably not coming back the next day. Like, there's a certain level. I, we took my daughter skiing at Mammoth the other day. It's three years old. Our goal is simple. Get down the run, 
get hot chocolate, right? Positive experience. If I took her on this run, picture? If I took her on this run, she's not coming back, right? Well, probably physically wouldn't be coming back, but, but also, I couldn't get her on the mountain again. And she loved skiing, right? It's hot chocolate at the end, and that was the goal then. So as far as a bit of coaching and direction, if you're getting started in scripture, uh, there's some places and some ways to start that are just more fruitful, and then your appetite grows, you can, you can pursue more. The very first step I'll say real quick is get a study Bible. If you are trying to attempt to read scripture the first time, get a study Bible. It'll say it on the cover, study Bible. Um, you can get them in all different translations. If you're new to Scripture, I recommend the NLT, New Living Translation. But they're all good. Best translation is the one you'll read. They're all good. But get a study Bible. It'll have commentary at the bottom, real brief, but will help you understand that. Um, a beginner's reading guide. Um, as I said, don't start on the black diamond, right? Um, so I, I always encourage people this. The very first ten Psalms, um, they're personal, they're devotional, um, and, and they're great. Um, the Letter of James, a short book in the New Testament. Um, the Letter of James is not my favorite book, but it's one that I know every person can read and glean wisdom and life from. So I recommend that. And the Gospel of John. Those are usually where I tell people to start. Um, you could do a, a bit of a topical study. You could look at the parables of Jesus. And you say, I'm going to work through, one at a time, the parables of Jesus. And when I don't understand them, I'm going to Google it. Or I'm going to look at some resources, look at my study Bible. I'm going to try and understand more the, the power of these parables. Or you could do a topical study on your own. Uh, lastly is resources. Um, there are resources for you to grow in this. Um, there were about 20 people in the basement who were uh, going through a theology class this morning. Um, that have been reading this book and have been uh, stretching themselves by, by, by you know, reading academic kind of writing and, and discussing theology. There are resources available, uh, discipleship groups and adult ed classes. Um, the Bible Project, or just BibleProject.com, I'd encourage you. It's a phenomenal resource that will outline every book of the Bible so you kind of know what's it about, what's the main thing, and, and there's great topical videos there too. The SHC Resource Library, you can actually throw up that next picture. Um, so if you go on SoundhouseChurch.com and click on Teachings, there's the Resource Library. You can click on that. The password is SHC Library. There you go. It's out there. Uh, all lowercase. Um, probably could have figured that one out by yourself. But um, and, and this resource library, we will continue to build, but we have been able to put up on there commentaries. And uh, I mean, there's a commentary series up there that, that costs over a grand usually. Um, it's very good, but it's very accessible. Um, that's yours. Start your study. And, 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 and use this as a resource. And the last one is pastors, elders, or, or any other students of the word who have gone before you. Access them. I'm reading this. I don't understand it. Can, can, can we talk about that? We don't have all the, bio, uh, all the questions, all the answers. We have some. But we also know where to look. We have an extensive academic library in our offices next door. And we have people in the church who have borrowed that or we've read books together through there. Lastly, the last obstacle to study that I think a lot of people face is intimidation. Um, they, they feel like it's just difficult to get started. And for this, I'm uh, asking three different people to come up. If you guys can come on up. Um, I got some, some questions. Um, so for this, yeah, Rhonda, Tilly, Mike, you guys want to come join us? Um, yeah, they could use a round of applause. We could not find three similar stools, so. Whoever's tallest gets the short one. I'll take the short one, that's fine. Okay, so if you guys wanna just grab those. 
So we have many people in our church who I would say uh, have become students of the word. Um, we're, we're sharing one of these. Till you're in the middle, you hold that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So we have, um, I just love, Micah, I always look up to you, you know, but especially today. Um, so we have uh, many people in church who, who we have witnessed them taking steps uh, to pursue study in their own life. And uh, these are three who I asked to be up here um, as examples for that. And I have four quick questions. I just want to run through real quick and then we're going to wrap up. Um, but the first is, what was the process of first getting into your Bible? And was there a topic, theme, or book, or general interest that you first studied? You can share your name, too, when you first, first talk. Hi, I'm Tilly. Um, thanks for handing me the mic first. Uh -huh. um, so I think the first one that I studied was actually um, the book of Mark, and I had absolutely no idea how to even study my Bible. So I knew how to read it, but I didn't know how to study it. So I just took every time that it's uh, referenced somewhere else in the Bible, I went to that point. And I read every single footnote in there. And then I was actually talking to Chad about how to study the Bible, and he said, well, check out this commentary on the resource library. So then as I continued studying the Book of Mark, I always um, read the commentary too. And I'm one of those geeks that has to read from start to finish. So even though he said, you don't have to read the whole thing like I had to, but I'm glad that I did because it kind of gave me reference before and after um, so that I could understand it even deeper. Yeah, um, when you mentioned study, I mean, there's lots of different ways to study and, and different uh, media to study. And I think, you know, I started years ago and started with a daily devotional called ODB, Our Daily Bread, hmm. which is a very simple uh, daily devotional. It always starts with a verse and then a topic, uh, a real life uh, story or application of that verse. Yeah. Um, very simple. Um, and then over the year, and not spending maybe as much time, five, five minutes, ten minutes yeah. on, that, on that kind of thing. But then over time, spend a little bit more time uh, and then reading either a book uh, along with a commentary on passages that I wanted to learn more about or um, reading through the Bible. I love uh, J. Vernon McGee's Walk Through the Bible. He's got a five-volume uh, series of a short uh, section of the verse and then a long explanation of it through yeah. the whole Bible. So it takes a long time to go through, but yeah. it's a great way to just um, go through the whole Bible that yeah. way too. Devotional, should have had on the list. Devotional is a phenomenal way to get started. You don't know where to start, you don't know how much to read. Devotional is a great way to get started. Rhonda? Can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, this thing <laughs> makes me nervous. Just so you all know, I do not like speaking in front of yeah. people, so I am extremely nervous and my heart is racing extremely yeah. fast, so please bear with me. But I guess I would start off by saying that I wanted to study the Bible, so I thought what better way than to start from the beginning and work my way to the end. Very wrong. <laughs> um, and so I thought, you know, I'd get up every morning, make my coffee, open up my Bible, and start reading. But that's what I was doing. I was just mm. reading. I was just reading the words on the pages. Wasn't understanding what I read, didn't remember anything, and then I joined Larry and Sue's Bible study group. And I remember the first few weeks, I just sat there like a spectator, just listening to what everybody else was saying, their discussions. And as I was sitting there, I started to have questions. And at that time, I was too embarrassed to ask these questions because I thought they would look at me and say, Rhonda, these are easy questions. You should know them. And 
it started just to fuel me and have a fire in me of like, I need these answers. And so I went home and I started researching, just Googling things. And slowly I started coming to the Bible study and was able to participate in our discussions. And I guess that's kind of what started my desire to dive a little deeper into scripture. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to do an edited version of all four. Of course, it's the week that I tout myself for good clock management, and then we're off. Um, but let, let me let me ask um, if I if I can, um, if you have anything to add to this. What has been the process like of of growing in 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 scholarship? I guess I'd say, right? Starting with googling stuff, starting with devotional, and then kind of growing into commentary stuff like that. What what has that process been like? Was it natural? Was it uncomfortable? I mean, I didn't know where to start. I yeah. just, you know, had a question and just Googled it. And a lot of it was confusing. Um, the internet is a good thing and a bad thing because oftentimes you'll, for me, I just got things that I didn't necessarily agree with yeah. or I just felt like this can't be right. Yeah. Um, so I would say if you're Googling something, reading something, listening to something, get as much information as you can from different sources. Yeah. Because you're not always going to, don't always go with that first source. Yep. There's a lot of bad information and, and you know, uneducated opinions on scripture when it comes to Google, you're right. Um, but start with what you can and then grow into it, yeah. For me, that process also was very uncomfortable. And I will be completely honest is that um, when Chad asked if I would come up here and do this, I was talking to Chuck and I said, I feel like such a fraud because I don't mm. feel like that I really um, study that much. And then after talking that through a little bit more, I was like, okay, I, I guess I do study it more, but I don't know. Um, it just, the, the whole process, like I still don't feel like I study it as much as I should, but I think that goes back to that that uh, desire that you were mm. talking about because the more I study it, the more I want to study it and the more I feel like I don't give it enough time. So, yeah. but the whole process of getting to that point, yeah, very nerve wracking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know that there was a, a time or a transition when it okay. was difficult, but I, I know that, you know, God's word is powerful and mm -hmm. special and that uh, you said it well in the verse that was up there, that he will uh, give you the desires of your heart. Mm. He'll answer your prayers if it's according to his will. Yeah. And there's nothing more important than you getting to know him, yeah. and we do that through the word. So yeah. I think praying about it and, and seeking his will and seeking his wisdom as you read the Bible, yeah. he gives it to you. And I think that's why when you read it and study it, you want to know more because you're yeah. in his will and you're, you're growing in it. Yeah. Last question, super quick, is just if you have any other, would you give any advice or encouragement to those listening that might have a desire to, to study? Mm. Yeah, um, so I would say a couple of different things. Number one, I always start with prayer. Yeah. Um, before you open the word, just ask him to um, enlighten you, show you what you need for that day, yeah. um, and, then, and then seek that, um, and uh, then just give you something to think about through the day, where you are, and I've been surprised at how often when you and maybe many of you know this too, when you read something, a passage, it strikes you, and then later in the day, something hits you that reminds you, wow, that was just right for the yeah. day. Yeah. And I think that's the Lord working in you and honoring yeah. you through studying his word. Yeah. I think my biggest tip would be just do it. Um, I know that um, 
when I when I first started, and I mean, even now, like I'll read stuff and I'll, I'll I'll be like, well, I don't really get that. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just gonna keep powering through it. And I mean, it might be a couple weeks later that I'm like, hey, wait a minute, I kind of remember reading something else about that. And then it just kind of starts clicking and making mm. sense. So I think my advice is don't, like, like Chad was saying, don't be intimidated by it, just do it. And also um, seek the resources that are available, like he was talking about our, um, the library here. I mean, all of the resources we have are here. We have Chad, we have Ryan, I did it backwards. <laughs> we have Chad, we have Ryan. Um, and there's so many other of the elders and stuff here too at this church that can, um, Larry, he's very knowledgeable too, can give you you know all those tips also. And the other thing I would say that has been a big help for me is that whenever I start to study or read, I always have my phone by me, not because I wanna use my phone, but because I Google a lot of words. Mm. Not so much like the topics and stuff, but I will read a word and I'm just like, I have, I've never seen this word, I don't know what it means, I need to find out what it means, so I look it up. And then I'll be reading, you know, I'll get through that chapter and the next chapter I'll be like, I don't know what this word is, and it turns out it was the word I had just looked up, but I look it up again because <laughs> it takes probably about five times for some of these words yeah. to actually sink in, and I'm like, yep. oh, okay, now I know what that word means. So look things up, that's my big tip, and just do it. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, what would you say, any advice or encouragement for anyone listening who, who wants to, to start studying their Bibles on their own? Well, I would say for me, um, when I started diving in a little bit deeper, um, the Bible just kind of became alive to me. Mm. Um, and so I no longer was reading the Bible just to read the Bible. I was reading the Bible to try to get some understanding, gain some knowledge, um, get closer to God, just build my relationship with him. Because I think, after all, I think he just desires to have a relationship with us. Yeah. And I think it's not a one-sided relationship. I mean, I know he knows everything about me, just like he knows everything about you. So I just feel like I owe it to him, and he deserves for me to yeah. know as much as I can and learn as much as I can about him. Yeah. So I would say if you, know, you just have that desire or you have questions just to, to start studying, um, maybe you do it by yourself, with your significant other, with friends, or join a Bible study group, which was very beneficial for me. Thank yeah. you, Larry and Sue. Yeah. Um, and just start, and I know you won't regret it, and you're gonna find that your relationship with the Lord is just gonna grow stronger and stronger. Yeah, thank you. Thank I know guys. I already oh. had my turn, but can yeah. I just add one yeah. more thing? Yeah. I've, the people who Go know me know this isn't, yeah. no, yeah. no, 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 the people who know me are like not surprised that I did that. Um, that the confidence that I've gained from doing this, like I, I feel so confident in talking to people, like I had a, uh, something happen just recently where somebody was talking about Jesus and they said, well, do you really believe that? And like, this is somebody I didn't know really well, but I was like, yes, I absolutely believe it. And I was just able to share my faith so openly. And then also, um, it gives me the confidence. Chloe asks me a lot of questions and I feel really confident asking her and guiding her because I'm taking the time and doing the studies mm. and working towards it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys.
Uh, I've seen so much growth and and um, and just so encouraged by them, um, all of them. Yeah, just to point out two things real quick. Uh, I have caught Tilly in the church uh, park reading a a, a thick. Uh, academic uh, commentary on Isaiah, um, and I think Rhonda probably spends more time in study than me and Ryan combined. Um, so it's it's just it's just so cool to see what's happening there, and it's encouraging for us as well. Um, I'm gonna say one last thing, and then I'm gonna pray. Um, the greatest myth of study is that it's not about how smart you are; it's about how humble you are. And I think that is what was just modeled right there. Um, till you saying googling the same word five times in a single study, and that is that is is is, is where you where you'll get the most out of studies when you're coming with a humble heart because you want to grow closer to God and closer to your understanding. Um, so be encouraged in that. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is holy. It is powerful. It is also personal in a way that we can engage with it. Lord, I pray that we all feel inspired as we sing. I want more of you in my life. That we feel inspired to take the steps to enact that. Lord, let us charge with a desire and appetite for more of you. And that we meet you in scripture. Be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.